you know, we really soak up the collective's energy. So we have to be very mindful about how much of the collective's energy we're absorbing. We're already the collective. We are the collective. We're not separate from it. So of course we are feeling, you know, there are some mornings I wake up and I can feel like there's a different anxiety in the air and I'm like, oh boy. And then I have my coffee, I meditate, and then I check the news and I'm like, okay, something, you know, has happened. So, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. So I personally, I don't stick my head in the sand or tell my students or clients to, but I do really encourage people to be mindful. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Lady Business Podcast, season three. My name is Dina Nina Martinez, and I'm the founder of Lady Laughs Comedy. And my name is Heather Wentler, and I am the founder of Doyen. And if you're new to the Lady Business Podcast, we talk to women entrepreneurs and women who are badass in business. Season three of the Lady Business Podcast is recorded in quarantine via Zoom. So some of the quality may be a little bit different than what you expect of our podcast. But hey, desperate times call for Zoom. You can always find us on the internet at ladybusinesspod.com. On Facebook and Instagram at Lady Business Pod. And always when you're sharing, liking, and subscribing, make sure that you use the hashtag Lady Business Pod. Do you think we're a little repetitious? <laughs> How many touch points? Seven touch points. We're good. We're good. Okay, good. <laughs> also, please comment, review, and also share the Lady Business Podcast. Subscribe to the Lady Business Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora. On this episode of the Lady Business Podcast, we talked to my friend Sarah Taylor. There are a lot of my friends on these on this season. <laughs> Sarah Taylor is a meditation coach and a Reiki healer based in Los Angeles. She has been a healer for a very long time. So we got to sit down and talk to her about how things are progressing with her business during COVID-19. And I think that it's an incredible space for her to assist people going through issues, as well as just trying to survive the, the day. A lot of Sarah's work, you know, it is what she does is so face to face and hands on with her with her clients that having to figure out how to transform this into a virtual company to be able to stay viable and keep moving forward when, in a time when we're not allowed to be in contact or touch each other or even leave our homes um, has been really interesting. And it's really cool to see how she's been able to adapt and keep the company going forward. A hundred percent. Uh, so without further ado, let's get all up into Sarah Taylor's lady business. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we've got my longtime friend, Dear Heart. Uh, she is a comedian, a meditation facilitator, and you might know her from her TED Talk, Being a Mind Wrangler. I may not have, I'm just paraphrasing Mind Wrangler is the, in the title. That's great. Um, it is. My friend, Sarah Taylor. Yay. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're so excited to have you. Um, I think this is a very interesting space because uh, what you do is 
more of a spiritual entrepreneurship. So I'm really interested in uh, telling, tell us a little bit more of what you do and then we'll get into business business. Sure. Um, Well, you know, I started meditating and studying Buddhism uh, almost 15 years ago and started experiencing some very rapid shifts, like um, not just groovy experiences, but but abiding kind of um, changes and transformations and shifts and um, discovering, uh, you know, what, what basically the Buddha was was teaching and jiving with it. And I wanted to start teaching meditation. So I dove into that. And I'd been a massage therapist. So I've always pretty much worked for myself. So I was a massage therapist years ago. And then I began adding energy healing modalities to what I do. So being an energy healer. And as as my own spiritual transformation got underway, um, I uh, began facilitating and helping others with that. So I've sort of gone from being like a meditation teacher where I go to companies and I sort of do this kind of mainstream type of mindfulness, which is great because like, you know, when you go into a company, you're not quite sure who's going to have a a background or what they're looking for. And it's definitely non-denominational, but uh, with my private groups and my one-on-one sessions, uh, I help spiritual seekers who, who want to transform on these great Eastern paths of enlightenment and so I do that. And I'm also a stand-up comedian and actor. <laughs> How do those things go together? You know, everything goes together. Uh, you know, it's a good question because, I mean, from, from inside where I sit, I feel, um, you know, like everything and everything is me. I feel very um, uh, uh, in sync with everything and that, that nothing is kind of left out in my, in my experience of life now after these shifts that have un- I've undergone. Uh, so nothing gets left out. So all of it makes sense to me. Like, of course I could be a woodcutter and a, you know, a spiritual teacher or a, you know, a, a, a an exotic dancer, a, a sex worker and a spiritual teacher. Why not? You know, why not? Um, but I'm a stand up comedian and, and a spiritual teacher and, and energy healer. So, uh, but I stand-up do that comedian show. and actor is very yeah. comparable to being a sex worker in so many ways. <laughs> We're always getting squirrels. <laughs> so I'm interested in, with the onset of a global pandemic, what changes are you seeing within your business? Well, um, well, the companies that I was going to, to teach in-person meditation classes, um, that is not happening, clearly. Um and I've been trying to get a lot of these companies for years now to switch to Zoom because I, I, you know, I work with healing clients and spiritual students all around the world through Zoom or Skype if somebody, you know, doesn't want to work with Zoom. But, um, but now Zoom is everywhere. So everybody knows about Zoom. So I'm, I'm teaching meditation to a couple of companies since this, um, uh, you know, the pandemic uh, craziness started, which which is good because I, I've been wanting to move it to Zoom. Uh, not good because there's a pandemic, but yay for, you know, being able to go online. Um, I also do Reiki at companies. I do energy healing work at companies where people will come in and lay on a table for 30 minutes and I do energy healing work. Now, this is for a lot of the more progressive companies, of course, the creative cool hip companies here in, here in LA. Um, so those company based, um, uh, 
uh, gigs are, are not really like it's been cut by like 75%. But I have been working on, you know, online through Zoom with students and healing clients for years now. So, um, so actually more people are coming to me. I'm noticing that people are valuing the spiritual dimension more than ever, that people need tools. Um, and, and this is sort of a collective awakening. And, you know, that's what the deep spiritual path is about, is waking, waking up, waking up to what is not ultimately true and not ultimately um, uh, f- fulfilling and nourishing to the whole. So, um, so uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping busy. How have you noticed with um, working with the corporations and going virtual, has that been easier for them while they're trying to I'm just thinking about that SNL skit of like okay we're going to do the walkthrough of how to use zoom (laughs) by the time uh, they they came to my first class it was like two weeks into um you know the social distancing and the isolation and and clearly they'd been attending a lot of zoom meetings um so, so they knew, they knew how to do it. It's fun when they start doing the weird virtual backgrounds, but it's good being a meditation teacher. Close your eyes, stop screwing around. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it's been interesting because um, people, even though I've tried to, my background's Buddhism, which some people could argue, well, that's not really a religion. Sure it is. Um, and it's also not, it's both. Um, but I try to keep anything kind of overtly spiritual out of the conversation when I teach at companies. Um, but I'm uh, able to kind of sneak in more kind of, um, you know, like metta meditation, which is a big one in Buddhist um, traditions, metta or, or maitri, about um, opening the heart of bodhicitta and sending, you know, loving kindness to all beings. And um, we've been able to talk about impermanence and, um, and not self and suffering, the three jewels of, of Buddhism, you know, that we're not the self we think we are. You know, we're so attached to our mind's idea of, of who we are. But really, you know, we're all in our pajamas at home now. We're not the executive. We're not the mom that we thought we were. We're not the, you know, fill in the blank of whatever we thought we were. So that's kind of crumbling and impermanence that things can change so quickly. And, you know, so people are, are more open to um, with the companies a, a little bit more of these, these spiritual uh, concepts and teachings. I feel like I've noticed um, much more activity on social media because it's just a way for people to somehow connect with each other. Yeah. Have you seen those, uh, you know, different ways people are trying to engage, come out and had, have you had to adapt your practices for, for those different things? Um, Like my social media practices or. Well, I think in general, just like, so I noticed we had to have a conversation where I was like, husband, you need to stop scrolling and reading everything that you see on social media because it's Mm -hmm. making you peak and then you come back down and then you see something new and you flare up again and Mm -hmm. it's a constant state of anxiety um, and over-information. Yeah, I mean, you know, once people start working with me, I'm like, you know, just please limit your your consumption because... um, 
you know, we can get oversaturated. And, and we also, I mean, you know, I'm an energy healer, so I'm, I'm, I'm really sensitive to this type of stuff. And so the people who see me are, and even the people at companies who don't know that they are, if they're sitting in that meditation class with me, um, they probably are sensitive as well, that, you know, we really soak up the collective's energy. So we have to be very mindful about how much of the collective's energy we're absorbing. We're already the collective. We are the collective. We're not separate from it. So of course we are feeling, you know, there are some mornings I wake up and I can feel like there's a different anxiety in the air and I'm like, oh boy. And then I have my coffee, I meditate, and then I check the news and I'm like, okay, something, you know, has happened. So, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. So I personally, I don't stick my head in the sand or, tell my students or clients to, but I do really encourage people to be mindful and to, to pick two times. Uh, you know, I, I scroll uh, for 15 minutes in the morning and then 15 minutes later on. And, and that's really it. Like I'm not constantly looking and I think that's helpful. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So go ahead, Dina. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think over the last <laughs> four years, three three and a half years, especially. Um, and as somebody who has been uh, steeped in political, the politics and social awareness and all this stuff, and who's, you know, we've been podcast on it for so long that it had been ingrained in me to be aware and, uh, you know, learn about what's happening in the world. Um, that over the last year and a half, I have had to, separate myself from that just to maintain sanity yeah boundaries just you gotta have boundaries man because we're living in unprecedented times both politically and pandemically yeah and it's really hard because boundaries even though you're at home i've I've noticed that boundaries have shifted amongst how how i interact with my spouse but then also how i interact with my team at work yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, oh boy. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about boundaries when I work with people, um, with the companies and with my, my private students, um, about just maintaining some sort of not just psychological, emotional boundaries, but also energetic boundaries. It can help to just really imagine, um, something around you, like, like the Pope mobile, like a, you know, a little plexiglass thing around you and just imagine everybody else's BS just bouncing right off, you know, uh, and I always encourage people like, you know, you're, you're inside of this, just take like 20 breaths and see what that feels like to be inside of something that, you know, and it can be made of rose quartz or, you know, bright light or whatever resonates for somebody, but, but be in that space, that sort of um, sacred um, boundary for just a little while and, and challenge yourself to still be engaged, to be present, to be involved. You can do it if you're having a conversation with a loved one who is, you know, kind of um, going off the rails, upset about politics, or, or, or is, you know, deeply sad about something. And, you know, we're of better use to others when we're not um, getting in the hole with them. You've probably seen that that meme or that little cartoon that goes around where there's somebody's in a hole and somebody's like, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. You're in the hole here. I feel so bad. And they get in the hole with them. And now we're both stuck in the hole. What are we going to do? And then the next thing is the next panel, I guess is like, or you could just, you know, sit beside them in the hole and 
you could get a ladder if they're open to getting out of the hole, but maybe they're not. Um, but just sitting there being present with them. So, so I really you could let your hair down. And yeah. You can braid each your... other's hair. You can, <laughs> you can do all sorts of things, girl. Um, but, but yeah, to have that type of boundary and notice that we can still be engaged. We don't have to be either or black and white, like either we're so immersed in what's going on that it's, oversaturating saturating us we're overstimulated we're drained by it or that's it i'm leaving facebook you know you'll see people like that's it i'm getting off instagram and it's like such an extreme like we have to find kind of a you know like a middle ground right yeah yeah one of the things that i've been so interested in because i'm woo woo i'm pretty woo -woo. Woo. Um, uh, and i found that i uh, compartmentalize my spiritual woo-woo stuff and my business and comedy. And one of the things that I found so interested since I've left LA and you stopped doing comedy for a while and you have incorporated your woo-woo-ness into your mm -hmm. ahaness <laughs> in this <laughs> in this really fun, beautiful way. And you also produce a show called The Divine Mess Show. Yeah, thank you for that. I, you know, I started doing the Divine Mess show in 2015 here in LA, which was basically a comedy show, or I think it started out as a story, a comedic storytelling show, because I had taken a few, a break from comedy for a little while. Um, I was undergoing a, you know, kind of a, again, like a, an, an internal shift where I was just like, man, I can walk away from this right now. So I'm going to. And I just sort of poured myself more into energy healing work and working with people, being a spiritual teacher. Um, but then I felt the calling to get back on stage again. And I really felt a drive and a calling to bring them together. So the Divine Mess started as a storytelling show in Silver Lake every month. I can't say it really uh, uh, went smoothly. Uh, audiences were often confused, um, but more they weren't by the end of it. By the end of the show, they were like, oh. So I'd have non-meditators coming to the show or I'd have people who are on a spiritual, you know, journey or into mindfulness or healing um, show up. And then I'd have just regular like comedy fans show up. Um, and what it was is just comedy, a lineup of comedians. And at the end, I guide the audience through a meditation with Reiki. I'm a Reiki master and I do a lot of group healing energy um, events where um, uh, where I do energy healing on the group and not just individuals. Um, so, so for a few years, it was, I, for a couple of years, it was, I was kind of finding my way. Then I took it on tour with a couple of wonderful comedians, Jackie Monahan and Sarah Sweet. And um, we went up and down the coast. And, um, and so now the divine mess is still alive and well. In fact, um, you know, and it's changed a lot. Now it's, like, you know, I'll have one or two comedians in the city that I'm visiting, um, open up, maybe one will host. Uh, and then I do, you know, comedy at the end and then sit down and we just sort of settle and, and go into a meditation, uh, touching on some themes that were talked about in the show. Um, and it's been going really, really well. Um, and, you know, if somebody is showing up to a show like that, they, I mean, they kind of know what they're in for. And I, I did this show too at the Hollywood Improv. You know, I have a monthly show at the Hollywood Improv in the lab. And um, I was doing Cosmic Joke there, which is sort of like the Divine Mess, but not the Divine Mess when I take it on tour. 
um, I'm doing like 40 minutes of comedy, 45, and then like there's a 15 to 20 minute meditation and it's, you know, it's kind of a, a an immersive experience. Um, but being in LA, I learned that the audience is a little different and um, they, they don't want that. So, um, so what I was doing, you know, cause the Hollywood improv is like a comedy club. Um, so we'd have people just show up off the website. Cause I'd always ask like, how'd you find out about this? I don't know. I went to the, the improv site and it said that, you know, this show called cosmic joke. Um, so, so when I, when I've done it in LA uh, it's, and it's a little toned down, it's called cosmic joke and it's a lineup of comedians with just about five minutes of meditation at the end. But when I take it on tour, it's the divine mess show and uh, uh, it's a longer meditation at the end. So. Very cool. Right. Um, you've done a TED talk. Hmm. A TEDx talk. talk a TEDx, sorry, TEDx <laughs> talk. Can you talk a little bit about? I think a lot of people assume when you do a TED or a TEDx talk, you just kind of prepare yourself and then go stand up on stage, or you get tapped to come stand up on stage. What was that experience really like for for you? But also, like, what is kind of the standard procedure? going through that. Um, you know, it was 2014. And well, so TEDx, for those who don't know, TEDx talks are independently organized TED events that are affiliated with TED. Um, you know, I think Brene Brown, who now has best-selling books, it all started with a TEDx talk at the University of Houston with her. Um, so uh, there's some really good talks out there. So somebody asked me if I wanted to speak and, and do a TEDx talk. So somebody actually approached me about it they're like oh you're funny and and you're a meditation teacher like do you want to speak at this thing my friend is organizing a TEDx talk in La Jolla and this was in 2014 so um uh so yeah so I I contacted the person they're like great fill out our form but you know you're in and um I went down there and it was just a wonderful experience of all sorts of speakers. And, and of course it was in beautiful La Jolla, which is near San Diego. So the weather was incredible. Um, and we did it outside. My hair went everywhere. Okay. Um, I didn't think about it, but my hairdresser watched it. He's a good friend. He's like, girl, what was going on? Your hair. Come on. I'm like, it's called wind. That's there's nothing I could do, but um but it was it was uh, it was a, it was a cool event. I mean, I can't say, um, you know, uh, how does somebody do a TED? Because people have asked me, they're like, they're like, I want to do a TED talk. I want to do a TEDx talk. I'm like, I have, I am useless. I have no idea um, because I've gone to some of these um, the websites for some of these TEDx events or TED events, and um, you know, there's like a wait list, and there's also, I mean, you know, I don't know, but. Uh, I would say, you know, contact TED and put on your own TEDx event. They're independently organized. I don't know how it would work, but, you know, Doyen or, you know, Lady Laughs, you know. Yeah, we do. We do have one here in Madison. Yeah. um, That I know is associated with the university here. But I think that, you know, I hear stories where people are like, I hire coaches, like speaking coaches and things like that. No, I did not do that. I um, just the, I guess the years of jabbering away in front of people um, help. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's important to like, you know, what's your message? Keep it short and simple. Um, Tell people, you know, what they're going to get out of the talk. 
uh, maybe up, up top. I mean, I don't even know if I did that, but, um, and then you've, you got to have your story about why, you know, why you're qualified to speak about it. And what I did was I guided the, the TEDx audience through a meditation at the end. Um, cause I just wanted to kind of show them what I was talking about. I, my, my whole thing was like, you, you know, anybody can meditate. Uh, it's a wonderful way to connect with, uh, with yourself more deeply. And I kept it non-spiritual because TEDx and TED don't, they don't want anything spiritual uh, from what I understand. Um, but I wasn't specifically told that, but um, that's what I gathered when I started doing research. I think they've actually taken down some TED talks and some TEDx talks that are overtly spiritual in nature. And, you know, what is, I mean, to me, everything's spiritual, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, you just have to, your wording has to be a little different. I um I'm I love how you've integrated everything. Like oh, thanks. It's just so graceful and beautiful. And I feel like everything that you've been doing since the integration, I'll call it that, <laughs> has felt so much more genuine and real. Mm. And I find that really interesting. But I also want to touch base with you on if people, let's say people are starting a, a more spiritual-based practice yeah. or a spiritual-based um, company, entre- entrepreneur venture, what are some things that you would say to them as they move forward? Because um, it's, it's tough. Yeah, you know, um, I, you know, I think centuries ago, if, if, if somebody had a significant inner shift, uh, word got around through the villages that they were experiencing life from a, a more peaceful, uh, unified place. And, hey, did you hear about that guy? Did you hear about that woman? And then it just sort of happened. You know, you, you just sort of, you didn't go out seeking to be a spiritual teacher or a healer. Um, these times are very, very different, aren't they? <laughs> um, and what I'm finding indeed. is, indeed, and what I'm finding is everybody's a life coach, everybody's a healer, everybody's a spiritual teacher. Although one of the beautiful things is that now it's sort of like you don't need the head monk at a monastery to tap you on the head and say, you have a depth of spiritual wisdom, go forth and teach. Like, you know, Karen can take a yoga class in Santa Monica and be like, oh my God, I am going to start teaching, um, which I'm just poking fun and, and uh, you know, uh, here because I am a comedian. But um, so I say go for it if you feel called, you know, anybody listening, if you feel called to share your spiritual wisdom with others, we need more spirituality out there. I would just say really tend to your own practice because um, I, I uh, you know, as a Reiki master, I, I teach people who want to want to work as healers. And so I've worked with a lot of people through the years who who have uh, started their their business. Everybody has their own unique way. Don't try to um, do something or be something that isn't in line with your direct experience. So I, I'm I'm an awakening coach, like I'm an awakening guide because I've undergone what's known as spiritual awakening and that we don't have to go into that. That has a, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. It's on my website, but, but awakening as per the, the Eastern, these Eastern paths. And, um, you know, um, so, so that's, that's one of the deepest things that I know because it happened to me. So the, 
the thing that I would recommend to people who want to be spiritual entrepreneurs is keep up with your spiritual practice. Don't think that because now you have a business card or an Instagram handle where you're a spiritual teacher or a healer that, that you are going to stop growing and deepening and awakening and finding the depths of your being. You, you have to, I can sniff it in people when they're, you know, uh, offering spiritual work and there isn't, isn't, they're more focused on how many followers they're getting and what's their latest webinar. And, Oh my God, they came up with this great thing, but there is, but they're not tending to their own. So I think it's a, I think it's a trap. It's very, very common at the same time. I mean, I started meditating and like a year later I wanted to start teaching meditation because I wanted to help people. So keep up with your spiritual practice and do, do you baby like do your on your business if you could call it that from you know don't try to be anybody else you know and go from your direct experience we see that so often um we used to do their two and a half day strategic planning retreats and the first part of it well the first part was just like who are you as a person but then the next part was what does everything that your business do what what does your business do and so often we'd see people lay out like we do this and this and this and this and this. And we just go, holy cow, you do all these things as one person. <laughs> okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But what really brings you joy in your business was the next yeah. part that we would ask. And then we, you know, we could say like, you're not this whole area, this whole customer segment or offering that you do. You don't even like talking about it. So why are you doing it? And it goes right back to that point that you said of like, be honest with yourself. And what we normally would see is they were like, well, someone said they'd pay me if I did this. So that's why I started doing that. (laughs) Well, that makes sense in the beginning, but. Yeah. It's like people have offered to pay me to energetically, um, to, to rid their homes of evil spirits. And look, um, I, I do I do go to spaces and um, people's homes and do energy upliftments. I'll do um, sacred rituals in people's living rooms, and I mean, well, not now with everything that's going on, but um, uh, to to uplift the energy and to bring in healing energy and to bring in a sense of peace and um, and and depth to somebody's home. But as soon as somebody uh, contacts me and says, I have an evil spirit in my home. I'm like, that's not me. Um, you know, I also, I worked as a medium and a psychic for several years. And, um, you know, I, I can do a lot of things, but I've learned through the years what, just because you can do it doesn't mean you have to. Um, so my healing sessions, you know, sometimes a deceased person will pop up with a message and I'm like, you may speak. But by and large, like several years ago, I was like, uh, no, this doesn't resonate with me. This isn't how I want to spend my time. I, I don't want to be um, answering questions for people who, because often with psychics and mediums, people are looking for answers outside of themselves. They don't have a spiritual practice. They're not open to inner transformation. They just kind of um, are afraid and, and want comfort. And uh, I mean, I love psychics and mediums as much as the next person, but if that kind of, um, if their own inner spiritual practice isn't happening, then they're just looking for answers outside themselves. So I realized like, oh, I really prefer like being a spiritual teacher and an energy healer, which, you know, prompts people to find the answers for them, for themselves. So that's another thing I'd say is just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should or that you have to, you know, I remember people 
Because I remember people saying, oh my God, girl, this is a gift. You have to do this. This is a gift. And it's like, I don't care. I don't want to. So, you know. Well, Sarah, I'm so grateful that you took the time for us today. And it's always lovely to connect with you. I'm also excited to have entrepreneurs and founders listen to this and hopefully be able to incorporate some sort of practice that will not only benefit them personally, but will also benefit their business. Um, How can people get in touch with you and where can they find you on the socials? On the socials um, at Sarah T Sarah T on Twitter, Instagram at Sarah T Sarah T S A R A H T S A R A H T um, uh, Facebook on the Sarah Taylor page. And uh, my website is sarahtaylor.org because sarahtaylor.com was taken. So it's sarahtaylor.org. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You ladies are amazing and doing great work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lady Business Podcast. Please make sure to go and like our pages on Facebook and Instagram at Lady Business Pod and head on over to our website, ladybusinesspod.com. And you can always subscribe to us and like us and oh, make sure to review our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, And you can always ask Alexa to play the Lady Business Pod on Apple Podcasts.